What's up, everybody? Another episode of the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, the show where everything is made up and the points don't matter. That's right, the points. We're going back to that again. Looking at the forecast. It doesn't matter because it's going to change five times before eventually 25 inches of snow dumps on Minnesota and we're stuck in hell forever. Wow. Yeah, that got really depressing. What, what an intro. I, uh, I feel like you need a demotion after that. <laughs> I'm going to dock your pay. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll take it out of my biweekly uh, paycheck from the... The show itself, uh, all the sponsors we have. Speaking of which, Derek, who's our sponsor today? Sam's Purified Drinking Water. Sam's Club, great friend of the show. I was going to ask, is this like specifically Sam's Club water or Definitely. just water from someone named Sam? Nope. Uh, Sam's Club, uh, a Costco wannabe, uh, along with, uh, you know, they have just great samples. I, I love going to Sam's Club or Costco and uh, having all those free samples, uh, but it is a little bit of, you just never know what you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? Are you, uh, so first of all, you're right. You're absolutely right. This, the samples are great. Uh, sometimes they are sampling something because they're like, oh my gosh, we have to get this off our sell- shelves because no one's buying it. Totally. Uh, so those are less fun. But are you, like, if you get one or the other, Sam's Club or Costco? Costco. Costco? Can I answer any faster? No, you could not. Um which, I mean, we have to bring this up for a third time. Costco has Oberto's beef jerky. Yep. Oh, oh boy, Oberto's. Uh, <laughs> and so that's a win. Uh, but but they, have, they have Kirkland, dude. Kirkland yeah. literally makes everything. Costco is hands down the better of the two. Yep. Um, does Sam's Club do gasoline? Like, can you fill up your yes. car at Sam's yep, Club? Definitely. I, I enjoy, uh, my wife and I actually, we sat down. The sole reason we have a Costco membership is because we sat down and did the math. And I was like, if we pretty much exclusively fill up our cars at Costco, which it's not out of the way at all for us to do, uh, we will make back the membership cost in a year, like easily. With the amount that they discount their gasoline, sure, and so that's been uh, that's been a win. I'm for also sure. a huge fan of like the buck fifty for a hot dog or like three bucks yep. for pizza. Like yep. such a good deal. I read a, I think I read an article or heard a podcast episode on Costco's like CEO and some of their philosophies on price and fighting inflation and stuff. And he's basically just like, no, we're just leaving it as it is because that's what makes it great. And I was like, dude, you are my hero. Mm -hmm. Uh, You should tell every other business to do the same because I'm sick of the prices going up. Or Uh, don't because then you're going to go back to them and not Costco. So maybe he's on to something. Maybe. Yeah. We're not here to talk politics. We just want everything to be cheaper. Um, (laughs) Amen to that. So we, uh, before we dive in, uh, quick question of the day. And Derek, this is really dangerous. We do this every once in a while uh, where we get to this point in the show. Yep. And then we realize we didn't actually write down a quick question. Yeah, it's always terrifying when you're the one asking me because I have zero idea what's about to come out of your mouth. I, up until about two seconds ago, had zero idea. Cool. What was, I just needed to stall for a minute. <laughs> but I feel like... I feel like it's always a good idea, not for our listeners. I feel like our listeners hate it, uh, but it's always fun to check in and see where our fantasy football teams are at. 
Wow. Uh, you know, we are, uh, by the time this episode comes out, we're actually uh, probably nearing championship week. But uh, we are recording this at the start of the fantasy football playoffs. Kind of. I'm already. I'm already in. That's like, true. I I have one of my leagues that is already into playoffs. But anyways, Derek. Yep. Fantasy football. How you so doing? So glad you asked. I'm in three leagues this year. Can proudly say I am in playoffs in all three. Which I could probably say that. I can. Okay. I can say. I mean. I mean. Proudly, not probably. Oh, I yes. can proudly say. Gotcha. I am in all in all three. Uh, which is a feat because I'm in a 10 person, an eight person and a 12 person. Yep. All of which are for, for in and get in. So that I is feel impressive. pretty good about, about it. Uh, the one I care most about is a 10 team league. Uh, and I am short of an absolute collapse by my team. I should be going to the championship. I have a 55 point lead going into the second week. Yeah, this so, is a league that does two weeks per playoff correct. matchup. All of them do from this point on. Okay. Um, but this two of my leagues, we had the first week, this last week, the other one this starts this upcoming week. So, anyways, uh if if I, I would love to win all of them, but I can I can foresee a potential win in one of them. Um Maybe two of them. Uh, and then the third one, if I get into the championship, it's going to be a miracle. And who knows what that's going to look like. So um, I'm hoping, I, I would love if, when I listen back to this, just to see how we're doing, I would love if I could say, I won in all three, which would be like an actual feat that I would have to celebrate. Um, but if I get one uh, championship out of the three, I'm feeling really good. Yeah, we'll definitely revisit this uh-huh. and uh, and see how we're doing. Uh, I am in seven leagues, which is a clinical addiction that I am refusing to get help on. Um, I so of the seven leagues, I am in the playoffs in five of them. Nice, uh, which is which is a win. The two that I did not make the playoffs. Uh, are both dynasty leagues. And so if you've ever played dynasty leagues before with fantasy football, basically you just keep the same players over and over and over again. Every single year, your whole roster stays the same. Uh, and so some league, some teams are like, hey, I want to win right now. Some teams are more like, hey, I'm rebuilding for the future. It runs a little bit more like actual NFL teams. And so one of the leagues, I'm just straight up rebuilding. I had no dreams of the playoffs this year. And so it's no surprise I'm not in it. The other league that I missed, I, I feel like I had a pretty good team, but both of my quarterbacks got hurt. Uh, and are out for the year. And so I am literally starting a third string quarterback every week in my lineup who never actually sees the field. Uh, so I'm not going to make the playoffs in that one either. Uh, but the other, the other five, um, I've got our youth league. That is a 16 team league, which is just chaos. Uh, I don't think I'll win a championship at that one, but I'm proud that I made the playoffs. Uh, I got a pretty good team there. Um, I've got a couple teams that are like the number one seed in the playoffs and uh, I'm hoping to, to ride those to championships. And then I've got uh, one team that I am the number one seed, but I'm not the best team. I don't know how I got the number one seed. So I think I'll advance, but I think one of the other teams will beat me. And then I have one team. Uh, I, I play in a league with my family 
and it's me, my brother, my dad, and my sister. So there's only four teams in this league. So everybody makes the playoffs, and then we do two rounds per or two weeks per round, and the home team gets or the higher seed gets like a ten point advantage. And I was the last place team in the regular season. And the first week of the playoffs, I played my brother, I believe, and and I just crushed him the first week. So I'm hoping that that'll ride me right into the championship. Uh, it's a it's a great feeling to to pull an upset. So we'll see. I'm ho- I mean, I got five shots at a championship. I'm hoping I can yeah bring home at least one. So, so that's we'll why see. you play so many, so that when something inevitably hits, yeah, the it's fan, a real shotgun approach. Yeah. Just <laughs> what are the odds of one of these hits? Uh huh. But it is. I mean, you anybody who plays fantasy football in more than one league knows that you get down to this season, this part of the season, and there's one or two leagues you care about more than all the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our youth league has a trophy that goes with it. It travels you know, with whoever wins the league, it, they get it for a year. And so uh, I'd love to keep that in my office for, for the next year. And then uh, there's, there's a couple other leagues that I'd be like, man, I really hope I can pull out a championship in that one for bragging rights and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we'll see. We'll see. We are obsessed at the very least. Yes, we are. If not full on addicted, but that's yep. all right. Absolutely. Yep. That's uh, that's it. That's and, it. Thanks for we, joining. We look forward to revisiting this portion of the episode of the uh, podcast in about a month when we are just in full on states of depression. Yeah. Well, it'll be after Christmas, right? So, right. Yeah. You know, we will, we'll we'll still be living living high on that that moment of like had a great holiday. No, my holiday season <laughs> is ruined if I do not win at least one fantasy football wow. championship. That that is that is an addiction then at that point. Yeah, probably. That's all right. I get over it a lot quicker than I used to. Anyways, uh, we are in the middle of our series, uh, walking through pastoral transition, what that looks like, uh, would encourage you to go back and start at episode 93. If you are just jumping in now, and this is your first episode, uh, it's been a great series so far, kind of walking through everything. Um, you know, walking through the transition that my church is currently walking through. But uh, Derek went from youth pastor to senior pastor uh, two years, a year and a half ago. Mm, April of 21. So a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, and so it's been, <laughs> I feel like it's like. No, uh, two. No, right? 21 to. Oh, yeah, you're right. Two and a half years. Yeah. I was like, holy, uh, holy buckets. It's been a while. It, is your senior pastor stint. Uh, do you kind of view it the same way that you view aging your kids where initially like, yo, yeah, I've been a pastor for nine weeks or, and then you transition to months oh, where see. it's like, yes, I've been a senior pastor for, uh, 17 months. I've been a senior pastor for 22 months. Uh, it's, it's actually, then, it's actually then, a great way of putting it. I think, I think it was like months and then it was now it's like, uh, I get, Oh yeah. Two and a half years. That's kind of crazy. So yeah. we're now on the stage of where it's like, let me think about it. Yeah, I've been a pastor for 31 months now. and <laughs> uh, Yeah, really. Honestly. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, where does that transition? Because with kids, they change so fast mm-hmm. that, that, you know, nine months to 13 months is a big difference. You can't just say a year for both. And so I, I do. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see 
you know, eventually we'll get Derek talking about decades. He's been the senior pastor for four decades and yeah, then he's old and crusty and that's all right. All those things. Yep. Uh, so this, this episode, we are diving in to, uh, what things look like in the interim process, uh, in between senior pastors, obviously, uh, you know, this comes from a context where if you've been listening, uh, to the previous episodes in this series, it comes from the context of an immediate, unexpected senior pastor transition. One, you know, senior pastor leaves, they're out all of a sudden. Uh, and, and typically when that happens, you have a lengthier uh, interim season. You know, for, for Derek, in your context, you were the youth slash associate pastor one Sunday and you were the senior pastor the next Sunday. Yep. And you know, that was the same week that the previous pastor made his transition. Totally. And so, you know, in that context, there is no interim season, uh, in ours. Uh, we are six months into the interim season, uh, with no end in sight. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, (laughs) we're working on it. Uh, but that's what we're going to talk about today is kind of what does that look like? Uh, you know, what does the search process look like? Uh, what, can the staff of the church do in the interim season to better best prepare uh, for that new lead pastor? So we're going to dive into all of that. Uh, before we do, Derek, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, constructive criticism, or unconstructive criticism? Uh, yep, of course. What I will say is uh, I love how we're phrasing interim as like a literal interim pastor. Um just for context, what I thought was really helpful for our transition is um, there was a point months prior where behind the scenes roles flipped. So for us, what that looked like is that meant that um, I would speak one Sunday, then my former senior pastor would speak the other, then me, then him, then me, then him, then me, then him. But in February, and I took over in April, in February, he basically said, view me as a speaker view me as like a guest speaker. You make the decisions, you lead the team, you move on until you want to. Like I'm flipping you the keys. I'm just going to sit in the passenger seat until inevitably he got out of the car, you know, and then we went on. So, um, did you like that? Uh, I did. I, I thought that was really helpful because it allowed me again to go back with that analogy of like him being in the passenger seat. If I was unsure of something, he could grab the wheel and say like, Here's what I would do. Yeah, you almost know? driver's ed. Yeah, literally. Ask. Yeah, because like it, it still gave me the freedom to lead and make decisions, but there was a safety net there. If sure. I was like, yeah. oh crap, I don't know what to do here. Uh, but there also was that level of just comfort of like, okay, mm-hmm. like he's still here. So I feel like I can step out in leadership and not feel like I'm completely alone here. And so that really worked well for me. And he really was good in like affirming me and encouraging me because you could be in a situation where he's like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that at micromanage. And I, I wouldn't say he did that. Uh, he, he was very supportive of that, that transition. So yeah, overall, I really liked it a lot. But to your point, there was never ever a like gap from, from a congregation member. There was never ever like a interim pastor. There was just a seamless transition. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, so I want to, I want to kick things off with that, you know, topic of the interim pastor. Um, because that's something that, you know, when, when, uh, things burn down or, or for whatever reason, you're unexpectedly left with a void in this, in the lead pastor position, 
you got to figure out, I mean, even just practically, you got to figure out who's preaching on Sundays. Uh, you know, that, that part of like, there's a, there's an actual practical side of this. Um, and so bringing in an interim pastor to, to help fill that role of, of preaching on Sundays and then to also, uh, help fill in, um, you know, hospital visits, uh, and, and being able to do some of those things that yeah. a, a lead pastor would normally do. I think that that is also really, that that's a easily forgotten role or piece of the role for a senior pastor that, that an interim pastor can come in and help carry the, the burden. I, you know, it's, it, I don't want to describe it as a burden, but I think, you know, you get what I mean when I say that, uh, there's, there's time and there's hours associated with that and, and spiritual work associated with that. And so having somebody that could come in and do that is really helpful, uh, obviously, as well as, uh, you know, Sunday mornings, uh, preaching, uh, if you have a, a staff, leading the staff, uh, and, and being a resource to the staff. And so for us, uh, what that looked like for us in our interim process was, uh, I've, I've mentioned a couple times having a, a district body, uh, within our denomination that can come alongside us. That's been very helpful. Um, I mentioned last episode that the superintendent of our district, like the guy that kind of oversees everything, he doesn't technically, you know, have like a say in who we hire or, or what we preach on or anything like that. But he helps to oversee all of the churches in our district for our denomination. Uh, the guy that held the position before him, who is now retired, uh, he was the one that the district suggested to us as an interim pastor. And so we brought him on, um, I think we officially, it was like that second Sunday after the announcement was made. I think that that was the Sunday where we announced he was going to be the interim. Uh, However, he did not foresee this all happening just as much as we did not foresee all of this stuff happening. And so he had uh, churches that he was going, he was scheduled to speak at as a guest speaker uh, you know, throughout the rest of the, you know, not every single Sunday, but there were probably 10 dates from the beginning of July through, uh, October or November that, that he had that already on his schedule that he was going to be elsewhere. And like one of the strengths of our church is that we have a lot of people on our church staff and on, even on our deacon board that can preach and, and can do a very good job on a Sunday morning. And so we told him, keep your commitments, you know, be here throughout the week and, and help us in some of those ways. We will man the pulpit until you can, you know, kind of take that over on a more full-time basis. And so, uh, that's kind of what that looked like for us. Uh, you know, now he is in the office every week. He is, he, he's in the office like two days a week. Uh, and then he's also, uh, preaching pretty much every Sunday. Um, but it's been really fun to, uh, and, and really good to have him around. Uh, he is somebody that can just be a sounding board for things. Um, and, and, and kind of fill that role in the interim, which has been really helpful. Uh, one of the things that I have learned through this process of having an interim pastor is if you need to hire an interim pastor, that person should never, ever, ever, 
ever, ever be a candidate for the job. Uh, that was something that he was very passionate about. I mean, he's not, he's retired. He's just, you know, helping out where he can, uh, because he loves the church and he loves the, the, you know, global church and, and he loves just serving wherever God has him. And, and he's been an absolute blessing to our church. Uh, but, but he was very vocal from the beginning, whoever your interim is, they should never be a candidate for the full-time role. And I thought that was really interesting. I was just going to say uh, that surprises me kind of, you know, I, the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. Uh, why, don't, why don't you dive into it? Cause I, I feel like outside of the church, that's, that's not common. Yeah. You know like, what I'm you saying? Think about an interim CEO yeah. would very much be a candidate. Interim for, coach, yeah. interim, you name it, managerial staff. Yeah. Like, we are deep into the part of the NFL season where teams are already firing coaches and they have interim coaches in place from within, from within who may or may not be, yep. uh, you know, in that role. Um, I think that so, so that may be the one difference is if, if the interim pastor, well, Okay. So I'm I'm thinking I'm processing out loud here. Uh, yeah, I know I'm I'm gonna stick with the original thought. The interim pastor, I agree, should not be a candidate uh, if they are coming from the outside. Um, it'd be very difficult for people to have an objective view. Like it, you know, you could be like, oh, it's like a long term trial for them. But if they don't get it, if they're a candidate and then they don't get it. They're, they don't end up being hired. You're going to have people in your church that wanted to hire them versus if your people know off the bat, this person is not a candidate for I the like role. That. Yep. Uh, th- then I think it makes sense on the flip side. If they are not from outside your church, if they're from within, I don't think it should be an interim label then, right? But, you know, the interim pastor, like I, I think under different circumstances, if our senior pastor had just said, Hey, I we're moving. I'm taking a different position. I'm going to transition out in a month. I think with the, with how much strength was in our staff, I actually think that we could have, uh, just had our staff lead our church and, and, you know, the staff and the board working in tandem to lead our church, uh, to fill the pulpit as we search for a new pastor. I think we had probably actually could have done that. Uh, but then you don't like, you don't need, somebody to be designated as the interim pastor. You just, I mean, you could have the executive pastor or the associate pastor taking on a little bit more of a leadership role. You'd have the board taking on a little bit more leadership stuff and overall direction for the church. But if you have the staff to, to man it and it's a healthy situation, I think it can be done, but then it wouldn't be labeled as an interim pastor. Yeah. I don't have a whole, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. It, it's, it's the bond. I think that ultimately you're chasing after is like, you'd hate for people in the church to really fall in love with this person only for them to be like, oh, sorry, I'm out. And that's right. And our, our, our interim pastor, we should have just had him on this episode. Uh, <laughs> he's awesome. He's, he is absolutely awesome. Derek knows him. He's a great guy. Uh, one of the things that he has also talked about is that, he almost on purpose does not form incredibly close relationships with the congregation again, because he knows that he's leaving. Now the staff, like we all went over to, you know, his house and his wife 
and him hosted us for a brunch, you know, for our staff meeting one week. Uh, you know, he, he's obviously built, he's definitely built relationships with the staff. Uh, but the congregation, you know, he has pushed the staff a little bit more, uh, versus, you know, him meeting with people. And, And I think that there's a lot of wisdom again, like he's been doing, he's been pastoring and leading churches his entire life. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom there because for him, he knows that he's leaving and he doesn't want the relationships that he builds and then leaves to be a hindrance to the next person. He always wants to, if you are the interim pastor, I think you always have to keep people focused on the next lead pastor, like keep their goal pointed toward whoever is going to come next. Which I'm guessing is a challenge because I feel like as a former pastor, which he was, you know, as a current interim pastor, which he is, your natural inclination is the opposite. Like if you're a pastor of a church and you're coming in, what what's the first thing you're supposed to do? Start building connections, start start getting to know people. Like it it has to go against every instinct in your body to keep people at arm's length intentionally. Yeah. And like that's a hard role to be in. And so I'm sure you kind of naturally just have to distance yourself and do that. But you know what I love what you just said. It feels like while he's doing that with the congregation, he's kind of preparing you guys as staff and pushing you more than you were so that you are ready for when that next person comes in. And uh, that's such an interesting dynamic that makes a whole lot of sense when you sit back and look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to, I want to dive in like more to this interim process, uh, from the staff's perspective, how, what can a staff do in that interim period to better prepare for a new lead pastor? I think that one of the things that I would say, you know, from my experience is that if there are like, you should want to be the best possible church that you can uh, for that new senior pastor. And so if there are things that are unhealthy that need to be healthy, I think the interim season can be a time to kind of deal with some of those things that have maybe been swept under the rug a little bit. Uh, The interim pastor can be kind of the bad guy in some of those situations if they need to be. Uh, And, you know, that's, that's kind of a nice little, uh, you know, I know that it's the plus side to the fact that they're going to be leaving at some point that they can kind of come in and be the bad guy and not have to worry about the long-term relationships. Um, that again, that sounds cold, but, uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think the, the other thing is like you, for me, there were things that I did to silo off our youth ministry because I was, it was just, I won't get into the reasons why, but that was the, the, unfortunately it was the right decision at the time, but long-term it's not healthy for different ministries of a church to just be siloed off. And so I have needed to use this interim process to undo some of my thinking and undo some of the things that I did uh, so that we are ready to go and and ready to align uh, with the new lead pastor when they come in. And so that's been another thing. I think I, I'm sure there's more, but I think that, you know, there's it's it's very important 
for staff pastors to make sure that they are using that interim season to kind of prep themselves and their ministry to be as healthy as possible for when that new lead pastor gets in. Yeah. Uh, I was going to joke, but it's actually very true. Uh, what can staff do in the interim to better prepare for a new lead? I was going to say, don't quit. Uh, yeah, you know, like obviously I I said as a joke, but, uh, obviously you probably wouldn't physically quit your job, but I think it's easy to mentally quit. You know, yeah. like, like it, it would be really easy to, there's an interim guy here, interim girl, whatever it is. I'm just, until I have a new person, I'm just going to coast, you know, I'm, I'm just going to not necessarily, I hope that's not your initial reaction, you know, like that, that's not healthy anyway, but I think you have to almost view it the opposite, which is what you're kind of telling me, Kyle, is like, you have to almost be more critical of yourself and go, where do I need to position myself so that when somebody new comes in, like I'm ready for it, you know, I'm, I'm able to adapt because let's just be honest. Odds are the person's going to come in and they're going to start getting ready to change some things or have different expectations or different standards. And you have to be willing to flex with that or else you're going to be potentially out of a job, you know? Yeah. And like, you have to be willing to kind of do that. So, uh, Again, I was I was gonna joke, but I feel like you have to almost switch your mentality of from I'm just gonna coast to I gotta get to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna be uh it's you know, it it's not like a autopilot season. It shouldn't be. Uh there's there's work that needs to get done. Both both normal work, like there's nor like you still have a job to do. Uh that work still needs to be done. But then like I said, the some of that other stuff that like I need to have hard conversations, uh, whatever it takes to be as healthy as possible. I think that that's really important. Um, the other thing that comes with an interim process is, okay, at some point we need to get a new lead pastor in here. And so what does that search process look like? Uh, that's what I want to kind of dive into next. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll probably be uh, the rest of our, our episode here. But the search process can look very different for a lot of different churches. Um, you know, most, well, I, I think that uh, indeed.com or, uh, you know, some of those places are uh, only going to go so far as, as, as to uh, filling that, that job. And so uh, one of the things that most churches will do is put together a search committee of uh, people who are within the church, leaders within the church, uh, our search committee. I don't actually know how many people are on it. It's probably eight or nine-ish. Uh, two of them are deacons. Um, you have uh, the rest of the the team is varying in age, in gender, in everything. Uh, you know, very diverse group on purpose. Um, and for us, the chair of our search committee is our interim pastor, uh, partially because he has gone through this many times before he's been, this is like the eighth church that he has been the interim pastor for. And so he knows he's familiar with the process very well. He's also incredibly well connected both in our state and around the country. And so one of the things that he has talked about, and I love this philosophy for any search committee in a church 
Uh, he has said many times, we are a search committee, not a receiving committee. And so what he means by that is, you know, we, the, the point of a search committee is to find the best person. Most of the time, the best candidates are not currently sitting on their butts unemployed. Most of the time, the best candidates are out pastoring somewhere. And so we need to find them and ask them if they want to come and pastor here. Now I know what you're thinking. Derek just talked yesterday or last week in our, in our episode about reshuffling the Christian deck. And, and if you, if you take a pastor from one church and put them at the other, <coughs> isn't that just, you know, reshuffling things? Isn't it not at all mean totally different to, to take a pastor from another church? And it's not, it is, you know, one of the lines that our interim pastor uses, which I love is I just have a conversation. It's not my fault if God keeps them up at night. And I think that's hilarious. Uh, but it really is. I mean, there are seasons to being a pastor. Like you might be called to be the, the youth pastor at a church for 20 years. You might be called to be the senior pastor at a church for six years and then go be the senior pastor somewhere else for six years, whatever it is. Um, you know, there is very, uh, it just, I, I think there's a lot of great reasons for a senior pastor to be the senior pastor at another church. Uh, and, and there's, you know, I've, there's great candidates out there that are associate pastors or youth pastors or worship leaders or wherever that could be the next senior pastor as well. You know, I don't think you need to only exclusively look at current senior pastors, but my point in this is that it is a great thing to like, it's perfectly normal, perfectly fine, perfectly you know acceptable to go and talk to it. Somebody currently in a position uh, about the opening that you have. There's a way to do it appropriately. It's uh, you're saying it's not by posting on their Facebook wall. <laughs> not quite. I mean, it, it's funny you that your interim pastor has that line because I heard uh, when I was newly in my senior pastor role and I was looking for a youth pastor, I asked a kind of a a mutual connection between your interim pastor and the guy I was talking to, and he said. He goes, I always go after who's right now, who's available. Same kind of, same concept, different words. Uh, but it was that conversation, that moment that inevitably led me to going to have a conversation with Riley, my current youth pastor. At the time, Riley was a part of an incredible ministry at another part of our state, uh, working for a guy that I really look up to, a guy that I highly respect. And, you know, when I started to pray about, who was going to lead this place, Riley came up over and over again in my prayer time. And it was kind of like, uh, like it, how though? He sees somewhere else. Why would he want to come this direction? And um, through a variety of conversations, I kind of learned this lesson of, you know, odds are if God's speaking to you about somebody else, odds are if it's truly of God, he's going to be speaking to that person as well. And that's exactly what happened for us with Riley is, um, you know, I went and had a, a conversation with Riley. Riley's kind of feeling the same way. We kind of talk more and more back and forth and realize, okay, this is it. And off we went. However, in that situation, this is what I was talking about. I felt like it was the respectful and right thing to do to ask the lead pastor of Riley at the time, if I can have that conversation for me just to go and have a conversation with him 
just felt wrong to me. It kind of felt like I was, you know, oh, poaching people's staff without the decency to have that conversation with them. Um, you know, and so the, the lead pastor was like, honestly, he's not my property. He's not, you know, like he's, he had a really cool response to it, but I, I love that philosophy of if you're just looking for who is available, it's not that there's not good candidates out there, but like you got to go after the right person and the right person might not be available. Yeah. And the other thing that you have to look at is, you know, our, our church is currently averaging, you know, 500 to 550 on a Sunday morning. Uh, we had somebody apply to our church and, and, you know, there are two ways to get a resume. You go ask for it or somebody gives it to you. And I'm not, we don't want to say that like exclusively go and look like if somebody sends you their resume, it's an automatic. No, like I'm not saying that. Uh, like we, I actually do think that we got a resume from somebody that we, you know, gave a serious look at because you, did you post anywhere? Did you post to churchstaffing.com um, or indeed? Or- I don't know where exactly we posted, Um, I think at the very least, um, there is a spot like for our denomination, like within our district, people can see that our, uh, you know, pastoral position is open, uh, and, and we are looking. And so I think people can see it there. Uh, but we, we had somebody who, you know, saw that and sent us their resume and they might be a phenomenal human being. Uh, but they are currently pastoring a church of like 50 people, uh, 50 to a hundred people. And it has been that size for quite a while. And our interim pastor essentially took two looks at the resume and was like, Nope, not, not even gonna, not gonna like, we'll tell them we're not going to look at them, but because that's the considerate thing to do, but we're not going to look at them at all. And his point was, you know, you, there's a different scale, uh, from pastoring 50 or hundred to pastoring 500. And we don't want to go from 500 to 100. We want to go from 500 to 800 or 500 to two campuses, not two campuses Two like, we're going to, let's go plant a church, uh, of, uh, you know, let's grow to 800 and then take 200 of them and go plant a church. Uh, whatever it looks like we, we want to, you know, go where God is calling us forward. And his point was, you know, not that this person is a terrible human being. Uh, they might not even be a bad pastor, but you know, if they're, if they've been pastoring a church for 10 years and they've never grown beyond a hundred people, then that's probably where their capacity is. And so them coming in to our context we're probably going to end up being a church of a hundred people because that's where their capacity is. And so I, I think that, you know, there are, there are probably exceptions to that, but, but by and large, that's going to be, you know, John Maxwell's law of the lid. And so, or not law of the lid. Uh, that's a different one. I don't know. He's probably got a law in there somewhere, but, uh, I, I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Um, you know, when we are looking at when you're looking at filling a lead pastor position, their capacity has to be in line with where you want to go. And, uh, you know, whatever that looks like, if your church is a church of 1200 and you want in the next 
10 years, you want to have multiple campuses, then you should probably hire somebody that is currently at a multi-campus church because they are going to know what the logistics look like in making that happen. They know what the transition looks like. They know what the vision has to look like. And so I think that that was, that was something that I think was really insightful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that. To me, that makes more sense. Um, that kind of a logic into why we're not going to look. Cause as a, as a person of a small church in a smaller community, sometimes to hear something like that is almost deflating in the sense of like, I'm not saying I am, but what if I was an incredible leader who loved his staff well, pastored well, but because of the nature of our community, we don't grow at that explosive rate. Does that mean I'm less than? Well, maybe, maybe it does, but maybe it doesn't, you know, and that's where to me... <laughs> that can be deflating because let's be honest, uh, there are plenty of, of churches and programs out there where it says, hey, do these 10 things, Kyle, and your church will double in size. Yeah, well, You know, and it's like, I just had a conversation with my therapist about this of like, that might be the case, but you might have your front door be wide open, but so is your back door in the sense of like, sometimes we focus so much on church growth that our church health tanks and it looks like you're growing in width, but you're, you're not growing in depth, you know? And like that whole other conversation from different podcasts, anything. Anyway, my point is, um, that aside though, I love exactly what you're saying because let's to pastor a church of 50 people, where you know every single person that walks through the door, know their story, know the name of their kids, is a very different ball game than 550. Because when you pastor 550, you don't know the names of their kids. You might not even know if they're married or how many kids they have because there are that many people. And I, th- to me, that's where it's like, okay, that's a different ball game. In the same way of like, there are churches in our state, Kyle, that are double what your congregation is. Yep. And odds are, if you were to apply to them, they might not look at you because mm-hmm. they're going like, there's just different responsibilities that come with larger churches. And it's not that you're not worthy of it. It's not that you're not good enough for it. It's that like, there are just differences to pastoring or leading a group of a different size that just frankly, you don't have the resume for it. I know it's different, but it's like, it's kind of like me saying, okay, like I, uh, I know how to change my oil. So I'm going to go apply to be a mechanic at a really big shop. They might be like, no, go, go get a technical, don't go get a degree somewhere where you can learn how to do this, that, and the other thing. And then we can have a conversation. Yeah. You just physically don't have the gift set currently that's required of the job. So I'm having two thoughts here. Uh, and we can, we can go back and forth on this. Uh, thought number one, I wonder if there might be not necessarily an algorithm, but some sort of loose metric around, you know, cause, cause the other thing is like our church is definitely in a suburban area and your church is much more rural construct. What are you talking We're about? Literally Let's looking look out, out the, the window. window of Derek's office at some cornfields. Uh, that is corn, right? Yeah. Or well, it was. well, it, on the, it's the far side now, is corn. But... The other side's hay, but 
I literally see geese landing in the pond in my office, yeah. uh, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. But, and so we are, uh, there's, there's two different, uh, two different, you know, contexts there. Uh, oh man, now I'm dropping equipment. Uh, hopefully everybody can still hear us. Check one. We got it. Yeah. I think we're good. Uh, <laughs> my bad. I knocked something off the table. This is how you know we're getting excited now when we start pulling we out are, our microphones yeah. and stuff gets falling. Yeah. So, you know, if, if a church is 250 people in a town of 5,000, you yep. know, does that equate to a church of a thousand people in a city of a hundred thousand? Totally. You know, yeah. like, right. like, I wonder if there's something there. Sure. I don't know. The other thought that I have is I think that like, like I've shared before, you know, I don't think that we are a perfect church, but relative to what we've gone through, I think we're an incredibly healthy church. So uh, good. Yep. And so I think that that calls for like, you're looking for a different type of hire in that context. Uh, if you have a church that's incredibly healthy and, and ready to grow, whether that's, you know, in numbers or in, uh, you know, quantity or quality, uh, you know, we are ready to grow. Right. And, if you have a church where like, Hey, they might be, you know, 400 people strong on a Sunday, but this is, you know, there's, there's some stuff that on the surface that's wrong or there like, there's one senior tra- pastor transition from imploding. Right. Yeah. They like, there's some serious issues here. We're not necessarily looking for, you know, somebody who comes from a bigger context that knows how to lead us there. We're looking for somebody that knows how to love and knows how to love people and knows how to stick through tough times. Uh, and that comes from any number of, you know, contexts and numerical sized churches. And so, and, and you might see other churches that like, you know, you got a town of 5,000 people and they don't want to hire somebody from a town of 3 million town, uh, a city of 3 million. And so I, I think that that like depending on what the church needs and the direction the church is headed, that's going to play a big role in what some of the criteria are that you're looking for in the next senior pastor. Yeah. Which is probably why it's good to have a search committee of people who know these things, right? Like that, that's at least, you know, if, if it's the interim pastor or people from your denomination, have some people that have been through the process before that can help guide you. Uh, yeah. cause that's really important and they will probably have some connections on where you can look. Yeah. Cause I feel like not that you have to get this right, but in some capacity you do. Cause if you have a senior pastor transition and then you bring in somebody else and they make it three months, six months, a year, and all of a sudden you're going through this again, you're going to lose people. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to go through this merry-go-round again. Yep. Um, and so, uh, I feel like. If it were me and I was on a search committee, that would be a question I have for that incoming pastor is what are your long-term plans? Because if they're here to be here as a stepping stone, then like one, that's a, <laughs> a red flag. Yep. Um, but two, like, I feel like it, it is reasonable to ask, like, do you see a future here? You know? Cause like, again, and this might be different from church to cert- church to church, uh, in a rural town like this, I didn't start getting street cred with the people of our community until about being here for two years. Think about that, that, you know, like, so if you're in this for going, yeah, after two years, we're going to reevaluate. You might just now beginning to start having credibility with people 
if you were to evaporate in that moment, you just now made the process for the next person that much harder. Then they're going to wait three years. Yeah. There's not going to be an exact science to it, but my point is like when I stepped into the youth ministry here, they had had five youth pastors in four years. Yep. There's a reason the youth students took a while to take to me because they were, their hearts were guarded against me because mm. they've seen this merry-go-round. So that's why it's so vital to have a good, solid hire that can not just take you to where you're going to go, but realistically <laughs> helps you transition. Because just because you're coming in and you're new and you're fired up doesn't mean the congregation is going to follow you. You have to be able to sit in there, take a temperature of where that church is at and help lead them to where you want to go. Yeah. And as the, as the search committee, you know, you can, I mean, it's just like any job, look at their job history. If every single job they've had, they've been at for two or three years, how long do you think they're going to stay in your spot? Probably 10. (laughs) And so that's something that, uh, you can ask them about and you should ask them about, but they'll probably have a really good answer ready. Like nobody's going to say, yeah, I could, I could see myself here for a solid 12 to 18 months and then I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's a terrible pitch in Uh a job interview. But if you look at their job history, you know, they were, uh, maybe they were a kids pastor or youth pastor for five, six years. And then they transitioned to an executive pastor for two years before they became the lead pastor at the same church that they were the executive. Uh, and, and they were there for 12 years and now they're, you know, uh, one, one of the ones that, and, and not to say this has to be it, but uh, I think a common thing to look at for people is like, hey, they are the senior pastor somewhere else, but they've got family in Minnesota close to our church. And so maybe they want to come and, and be back closer to home. You know, that kind of thing is, is a perfectly legitimate, great reason for somebody to switch churches uh, as a senior pastor. And so that's where the search committee doing a lot of that work. They're the ones that are out finding people, uh, you know, having some of those initial conversations at some point, those conversations have to get a little bit more serious. Um, here's a question before we dive. I want to, I want to, you know, finish the thoughts on the search committee, but here's a question for you because there are, we talked about the interim pastor being like either they come from within the church or they come from outside the church. When it comes to the next senior pastor, same thing. Either the lead pastor comes from within the church or they come from outside the church. So what thoughts do we have, Derek, on like, does the process look different or should it look different if a candidate is like currently at the church? You're talking to the one who was hired from within in my current role. Yes. Yeah, I mean, kind of, but also, I mean, was, I mean, how many different candidates were there? Right. Uh, such a, it's a really good question. Um, I would say yes and no to, to, is it different? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's different in the sense of, okay, like I have to imagine in your context, if they're bringing in an outside hire, as much as you're interviewing them, they're interviewing you. Yeah, don't you know get too far ahead of us because okay. we're going to get into that in okay. the final episode next week. But to me, that's where that's where it's different. You don't have to sell me in your church. I'm in your church. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like You don't have to sit there and sell me on why I should come to your church. Yeah. That's going to be different. They already know. 
so we're going to do this as a hypothetical because I, I do not want like, like I, I have no problem saying I do not want to be the next senior pastor okay. of our church. It's, it's not so I've, I've been consistent on that the whole time. So we'll use that though as the hypothetical as the hypothetical. Okay. If I were like, Hey, I, I think I'm interested in this. Should you know, if, if you have like the youth pastor at the church, you know, is a candidate, I feel like they should be the only candidate you look at until you figure out whether or not they are the, the person you want to hire. Because if the youth pastor is a candidate alongside these other three people that aren't from the church and you get down the road and end up hiring one of the other people. You just lost your youth pastor. You probably just lost your youth pastor. Uh-huh. You could lose your youth pastor anyway, but that feels like a really hard place for the youth pastor to stay. Now, as I'm saying that, if you look at the youth pastor first and don't hire them and then open the process back up and hire somebody else, that still feels like a weird place for the youth pastor it to stay. It does. It does. And I... It, it goes back to to being what's the right job again too. Because here's yeah. what I'll say: is that's the easy route. It's easy. It's easy to just have them elevate there. You know, the church yeah. knows them. The church understands them. You're familiar with their work ethic. And as someone who physically did that, like I'm, I'm not here to say that's not possible. Because I like to think by all metrics that we're studying and that we're looking at, my transition's been a good one. Like it, it's yeah. worked, you know, like I'm, I'd be a hypocrite by saying you shouldn't do that, but I will say like, there's value to looking outside of the church because at the same time, you know what you're getting out of your youth pastor, you know what they have to bring to the table. And if you can sit there and go, I don't think that's it. Then regardless of whether or not they're staying, you have, you have to take that into account. So to bring all of this back, um, Gosh, I I would hate to say you silo off every other candidate at that point. You know, yeah. it, it, whether, and, and here's what I'll say, this might be a little shady, but this is what you have to do as a search committee. It, at least publicly, let not, not being upfront like, hey, we're going to explore other options as well. Like, I think it's okay to look at other resumes and have conversations. Because um, I just, I, I think you, to me, if I'm a search committee person, I want to hire the best person for the job. I have to. And like, I'd like to say I have an objective perspective of that. Perhaps that objectivity comes from just like, let's say again, in this hypothetical, let's say you're not in the, in the conversation and you have two or three hires that you're looking at. What are you going to do with those two or three potential candidates? Weigh them up against each other. Yeah. Which one's the best out of these two or three? And you're going to pick that one, you know, like in a lot of ways, I think you have to have the same due process, even if it's an internal hire. Otherwise, it's just like, maybe they're not the best fit, but you don't know that because you haven't explored other options. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I see, I see both sides of like, you don't want to potentially lose that candidate, but at the same time, you don't want to just blindly hire somebody without looking at other options either. Yeah. I think that as like, if you are on staff at a church and and you want to be a candidate, you 
I, you just, you have to go in expecting like, I ask yourself on the front end, if they don't hire me, will I still say, cause I think you can, I think you can still stay. Absolutely. Yeah. But you have to decide on the front end if that's something you're willing to do. And if it is, that'll probably affect how you go through the process. Uh, and it'll probably, I wouldn't publicize it because, you know, if, if you plan on either way, if you plan on leaving, if they say no, that's like kind of a weird blackmail thing to tell the search committee. But then if you, if you are planning to stay, even if you don't get it, the search committee might say, well, you know, we could hire the youth pastor who we think is a nine out of 10, or we could keep him in his nine out of 10 role as a youth pastor and hire an eight out of 10 as the senior pastor and, and kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah. And so like, you don't, you don't want that to play into it either. I think you just have to be prepared to, you know, like no is one of the two acceptable options for the answer that is given to you if you're going to throw your hat in the ring. And I feel like you have to understand your heart might change as you go through the process either which way. Sure. What I mean by that is you might say, even if I get rejected, it's not going to impact how I view this church. But what might happen is when you go through the process and start to have that, I kind of want to be a lead pastor now. If you're not that, Mm -hmm. you might, in that process, your heart might be changing and you might go, I'm not leaving because I'm bitter. I'm leaving because... I've realized through this process, I want to be a lead pastor. And maybe, you know, then it's probably a little bit more drawn out where it's like, okay, before this, I was not looking at other pastoral positions, but now I think I am. Uh, And so that's where, that's where I think, um, you know, there's a, I think, I think the whole thing is just like, you've got to be willing to hold everything in an open hand. I think that's how I would I would sum that up. Okay, uh, I want to get back to our our search committee conversation because uh, as the search committee goes, and and I'm going to share kind of actually I'm going to back up a little bit and share how our church did it. This is not how every church does it, but what our church did is the board, uh, and I mentioned too that the the staff I think is has a much better pulse on our church than the board does. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. It's just where we're at. And so this, the board asked the staff to put together a list of names from within their, you know, umbrella that they would say would be good people for the search committee. Uh, and so the board knew that two of the board members were going to be on the search committee and they asked the staff for names that the board would then consider for the search committee. And so for me as the youth pastor, I'm looking at, okay, they're not going to put a high schooler on the search committee. <laughs> like that's, that's just not happening. But the young adult ministry is underneath my umbrella. And so I had some young adult names that I gave them. And then I also looked at my youth leaders uh, and, and I gave them those names as well. And so, uh, well, not every name, but you know, I gave them a couple that that I thought would be good candidates from from both pools. And so, and just to clarify, because I know we were just talking about these are not names you're giving them to fill the candidacy. These are correct people to be on the search committee. Correct. Yes. Uh, and so then the search committee was formed. Uh, they meet. I don't know how often they meet. Uh, like it feels like maybe every three or four weeks, uh, or maybe every other week at this point. There will probably be 
a time where they meet more often. Uh, we're we're kind of in the period right now where things are slow until they're fast. Uh, you know, we've we've you know our our interim pastor as the chair of the search committee has had some preliminary conversations with some different people reaching out. Hey, would you be interested? Uh, you know, had some conversations. If we get a candidate or two, that's like, Hey, I act, I'm, I'm serious. I'm interested. All right. You know, they'll start like, they'll have an, a meeting, probably a zoom meeting maybe with the search committee. Uh, you know, things will start to progress from there. One of the things now, and I will say before we move off of this, not every church, I would say it's atypical for the staff to have a say in who is on the search committee. Uh, and we were just providing names, but I, it, it's it's atypical for the staff to have that level of say. Uh, at the end of the day, it's the congregation, not the staff, that are picking the next senior pastor. Uh, but anyways, so... Can I interject one second, Yes, please. Too? What's your thought on the staff being on the search committee? Uh, great question. We talked about this uh, as as a staff with our interim pastor, uh, and and one of the things he basically said, uh, it's really it'd be really weird for the staff to pick their boss. And the minute he said that, I didn't have a strong preference either way, but the minute he said that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, makes absolute total sense. And so yeah, no, the the there should not be a staff person. Uh, on the search committee. I agree for the record. I just wanted to yeah. throw it was, that out It there. was a really good uh, line from him that that I thought had a lot of wisdom to it, uh, which is maybe the theme of this episode, that our, <laughs> our interim pastor has a lot of wisdom. Uh, so then uh, as you know, the search committee gets to the point where they'll kind of hit like, hey, this is like the one candidate that we want to pursue. And so then they'll give that name to the board uh, the board will set up, uh, they might have an initial conversation with the candidate as well. But like I said, there's two board members on the search committee, so they'll have an idea of who he, of who the candidate is. Uh, they will set up. It sounds like we're basically going to have like a gauntlet weekend where Friday night candidate and probably their spouse will fly in or drive in wherever, uh, they'll come in, they will meet with the search committee and, uh, you know, kind of talk with them, uh, Saturday morning, they will meet with the board and then all throughout the day, Saturday, they will meet in like half hour or hour chunks with every single staff member. Um, I, maybe some ministry leaders who are volunteers will be included in that as well. Not sure. Uh, and then Saturday night, they will again meet with the search committee and then Sunday morning they will preach. And then Sunday afternoon, they'll probably meet with the board again. Uh, and so that... That's it? Like, yeah, that that's a that's a freaking <laughs> gauntlet of a weekend yeah. uh, for, for that candidate. My goodness. But uh, so that was... that. That's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, thought process. And I know that uh, this is, this is going to be a long episode, but I want to pull up... I've started a list, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts of questions that I would ask it, Like if I have a half hour or an hour on a Saturday to meet a candidate, I, I, I was going to say, I feel like of the staff that I know at your church, I feel like the one that would be the most unique would be you. Cause I, you, you are going to, you're going to come with questions. Oh, absolutely. You know? uh, and this is, I've only just begun this, so it's not very well thought out, but I have four questions on here. Um, 
one is how, how would you evaluate the performance of your staff? I think that's a great question to ask. These aren't in order necessarily. Uh, question number two was what would your vision be for our church over the next 10 years? And kind of the sub question underneath that is what role does the youth ministry play in fulfilling that vision for our church over the next 10 years? And then the other question I have on here is if I am kept on as the youth pastor, what do you envision our relationship will look like? And so I really look forward to adding questions to that list because I love stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited that are any other good questions coming to your mind? Aside from like, you know, who would you draft for your fantasy team? Yeah, this person or that person? That That's a good one. Um, <laughs> who do you root for? I think I would love to ask, like, what does your personal walk with Jesus look like? Mm-hmm. In the sense of, okay, that's an obvious question if you're a pastor, but at the same time, like, it's point blank, it's elementary, but like, it's so point blank elementary, it might catch people off guard, you know? Yeah. And I feel like going back to the whole church health thing, I'd want to know here's, what here's that looks like. Here's something I'll say on that, because that's that I, I actually really like that question. And I think that as, so one of the things that I tell our female students is that if you are considering dating a guy, his relationship with God should intimidate you a little bit because he is the one called to lead. You know, if you guys get married, he's the one that's called to lead spiritually. And if his walk with Jesus is incredibly immature compared to yours, that's not going to, that's not going to work well. He's not going to be leading anything. So his, his walk should intimidate you a little bit. And I think that, you know, for a lead pastor, their, you know, their walk with the Lord should intimidate you a little bit because they are the one that's leading. So I, I guess I've never really put that together until now, but I kind of like that. You're welcome. That's that's good, Derek. Uh, Derek, bringing some wisdom to the podcast. Hey, I'm I'm trying, you know, I'm I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here. (laughs) We're 96 ish episodes into this thing. Yeah. Um, I would love to offer a little bit of feedback here. Derek is like a fine wine. He just gets better with, I don't drink wine, a fine cheese. (laughs) He just gets better with age. Uh, so then to, to kind of wrap up the whole search process, uh, and every church is going to be different, but, but I like how this is set up. You know, you'll have that kind of gauntlet weekend and they'll, preach Mm -hmm. so that people can hear them preach. I mean, this is the 20, this is 2023. We're almost into 2024. Uh, I actually think, I don't know. I think this episode comes, this is our last episode of 2023. Uh, there are probably plenty of sermons that this person has preached online ready for your viewing. So we can go back and find those and, and watch them, but them coming and preaching in our context is, is going to be important. Uh, and then at some point, if, if we're like, yep, this is the person we want to hire, uh, we will have a, a meeting with all the members of our church and our members will vote yes or no. Do we want this person to be the next senior pastor? Is it unanimous? Do you know? I, I do know the answer to that and I'm getting there. Uh, everybody who is a member gets a vote and should vote. That includes board members. That includes staff. That includes everybody. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting, because in our church, and I think in most churches, if you're not a member of the church, you cannot actually, you don't get a vote. 
in that. Uh, that being said, here's some sneaky wisdom for your church. Just because somebody isn't a member doesn't mean they shouldn't vote but keep the votes separate. Like give, you know, yellow pieces of paper to the members and give orange pieces of paper to the non-members. And, you know, the non-members won't actually, their vote won't actually count in the official ballot, but it could give, you know, the, the next, the incoming senior pastor an idea of, oh, hey, like, you know, 98% of the members voted yes for me, but of the non-members that were there, only 46% said yes. That's good to know as I go through this process or something like that. Uh, but to answer Derek's question, our church's bylaws state that a two-thirds majority is necessary to vote in a new lead pastor. So uh, however many people are there, uh, however many members are there, if there's, hypothetically, there's 100 members, just because that's a nice round number, uh, if 67 per- if 67 of the 100 say yes, that senior pastor can be voted in. Now, here is the word of wisdom for the senior pastors uh, or, or candidates. If that number is less than 80%, 85%, you should probably decline. Because if you think about it, you're stepping into a context where 20% or more of your church doesn't want you there. Mm-hmm. Which is a horrible spot to be in if you're new. Right. And so like, you know, are you comfortable with 20% of the church leaving when you get there? Like that's dangerous. Uh, and so that's, that's where just because the bylaws state that you can be elected doesn't mean that you have to accept it. Totally. And so uh, I think that that is hopefully rare. <laughs> right. Uh, I also think that a hundred percent unanimous is probably rare, but you know, if it's in that 85 to a hundred range, I think that, I think that that is great. Uh, there will, you know, going in that there's going to be turnover when the new, when the old person leaves, there's going to be turnover. And when the new person comes in, there's going to be turnover for you, Derek, that happened at the same time. Right. And so it was, uh, you know, I don't know that there's more or less turnover if it's the same time or not, but you know, you got to see just all at once. All right, here's the turnover I'm working with. Right. Versus, uh, okay, we know half the turnover. You know, in our context, we don't know the other half of the turnover. Totally. And so there's there's uh, you know, some question marks there still. Yeah, but I think that's where it's like you going back to what's the church response. You as a staff have to be prepared for that and understand that we might lose some people and we have to be okay with that. We have to bless them as they go. If they feel like this is not what we want and you have to be okay with that, you have to be okay with the fact that you might be rebuilding, you know, in in some sense, you might be having new culture. We'll talk about that next week. Um, All these different things, you as the staff, more than anybody else, I think you set the tone. Like you have to, you have to be okay with this being your boss and you have to get behind them. And so, I would encourage you as a staff, like, I hope that, you know, when this gauntlet weekend happens, I'm assuming that the search committee, the board are going to then come for your feedback. At least I hope they will. I assume that's the purpose of them meeting with you individually. I think you have the obligation and the responsibility of being very honest and very transparent with what's going on and what you're feeling. Uh, Cause if not, uh, it's, it, odds are you might not be there 
for very long because you're not gonna be able to follow their leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the summary of this whole process is that as a staff member, by and large, you get a voice. You do not get a vote. You are not on the board. I like that. You do not get to vote, you know, officially. I mean, you get to vote alongside all the other members, but in the interviews and all those places, like it's wise for the search committee and the board to listen to the staff and to hear their suggestions, yep. to hear their opinions. But at the end of the day, you get a voice, not a vote. And as long as you recognize that and and seek to operate within that, I think that everything's great. If you're trying to usurp that, then, you know, we can, we can run into some problems, but, yep. uh, I think that that's, that's an important thing for, for people to remember. Yeah. Sweet. That's it, man. So we, next week we are going to talk about uh, the last episode, uh, in this series talking about bringing on a new lead pastor. What does that look like culturally? And there's something about church culture specifically that Derek and I have kind of mistakenly or, or subtly teased at, uh, twice in this episode, at least that, uh, we're going to drop next episode that I think is going to be a surprise to some people when it comes to transitions like this. And so, uh, that'll be a lot of fun to talk through, uh, and, and just dive into whether you're a congregation member, a youth leader, a youth pastor. Uh, there's, there's a lot here in this series and I'm excited to wrap it up next week. So that'll be fun. And then we got episode hundred coming it's in coming. hot right around the corner. So we appreciate you all hanging out with us. Uh, I think it's time that Derek and I uh, go take one final look at all of our fantasy football lineups before we lose and fall into a great depression. Goodbye. Goodbye.